Hi, my name is Laura Youngson, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Ida Sports. And Femtech to me is creating, designing shoes that are made specifically for women so that we can reduce the risk of injuries. Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and as you can hear, I have a little bit of a head cold, but the show must go on. And today, I interview Laura Youngson, the CEO and co-founder of Ida Sports. Laura is a STEM advocate, TED speaker, and four-time Guinness World Record holder. After completing a degree in physics, she worked at the 2012 Olympics and was immediately drawn to the power sport can have on bringing people together. She founded the nonprofit Equal Playing Field that challenges inequalities in sports. During one of her Guinness World Records, where 30 female athletes played 90 minutes of soccer at the top of Mount Kilimanjaro, she was struck with the realization that cleats were not designed for female feet. This was the start of Ida Sports, which makes cleats specifically for the female foot. In this interview, we discuss the difference between male and female feet and the consequences female athletes face by wearing male-designed cleats. If you or a female athlete in your life would like a pair of these badass cleats, you can go to Dick Sporting Goods or go to idasports.com, that's I-D-A sports.com, and use promo code FEMTECH15 for 15% off your order. FEMTECH15. Go get those shoes. This is an awesome holiday gift and a conversation piece for the feminist female athlete in your life. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Laura, welcome to the show. Hi, Brittany. Thank you very much for having me. It is a pleasure to have you on here. Um, where are you calling me from today? So as you can probably tell from the accent, I am overseas. I'm in London in the United Kingdom. Nice. Have you always lived there? No, I've actually um, lived all around and about uh, many places around the world. I've been very fortunate with my career. So uh, London is kind of uh, coming back, I'd guess. It's the best way to think of it. Well, you know, actually, London is one of the major hotspots for femtech. So we uh, started to track where the headquarters are of all women's health companies. And it's pretty distributed in, in relation, like similarly to how tech companies are, right? Like predominantly US and then Europe and then Asia and but it's really interesting to see the cities that are really standing up for femtech. And London has a ton of femtech companies. Like it, it might even be the city with the most femtech startups. I'm, I'm so impressed with y'all. So, I'm like, go London. Yeah, it's, um, <laughs> it's definitely very vibrant over here, and um, lots of ideas flowing. Mm-hmm. Well, we'd love to kick off every interview at learning more about our guests. So tell us a little bit more about your background. You know, um, you're an athlete, you know, you've lived around the world. You just said you had this great career. So tell us more about your your path. 
Yeah. Um, well, you, you say athlete, and I, I'd say I'd committed amateur athlete. No, nothing too strenuous, you know. But, <laughs> okay. Um, All right. <laughs> I, I do love playing pretty much every sport, and uh, so it's not a surprise that I've, I'm running a sports company. But um, yeah, I have quite a mixed background. I kind of call myself a Jill of all trades. So I uh, studied physics, was a diplomat for a bit, worked in Brazil. I ran a oh. hotel in Mozambique, which is a whole other podcast story. Oh my God, um, Laura, we're, you're like, you've had five lives already. I've, yeah, many, many <laughs> lives. Um, I lived in Azerbaijan for a year and in the Middle East and kind of worked on finance and sports and things like that. And then and then started running my own thing. So um, it's definitely doing all these different careers prepares you for being an entrepreneur. Yes. Oh my gosh. All right. So then when did Ida Sports come about? So um, it actually came about after quite a crazy story, actually. I took a group of women to the top of Kilimanjaro and we played soccer at the top. So 90 minutes of soccer at the top of the mountain. And that, I mean, an incredible um, experience. And then I was always wearing kids boots to play soccer and and got to meet all these players been to the world cups that kind of thing and they were all wearing men's and kids as well and I was like this is really dumb why are we as women wearing men's and kids boots and that's kind of where the seed of either yeah. sports came out yeah let's break that down a little bit because that's an incredible experience so where is Mount Kilimanjaro for those listening who may not be familiar with that mountain yeah it's the tallest mountain in Africa and it's in Tanzania and it's 5,890 meters, which is about just under 19,000 feet high, which is pretty cool. And so playing at the top of that mountain is no small feat because there's like a lack of oxygen and stuff. Basically, not much oxygen. Um, You just kind of, you know, most people, not everyone even manages to reach the summit. And so we thought, you know, let's go one step further. Let's climb all the way and then try and actually play 90 minutes of sport um at the top which was incredible and who were the women that were with you that did this or were they like professional soccer players or like just you know avid lovers of the sport who who were they it was a real mix of players from kind of grassroots players through to activists through to professional players um women from all around the world so we took 33 nationalities with us um we had players who played professionally in the US um, part of the Canadian national team, part of the US women's national team, through to kind of activists from Saudi Arabia, um, players from Jordan, and just all coming together, all with a mission, really, because part of the reason for climbing was showing that women can do anything and mm. that we keep getting told that we can't do stuff, but look, we can go do something absolutely transformative and magical um, that really pushes the bounds of what we think is possible. Was that your mission to do with this whole trip was, you know, it wasn't to like think of business ideas. It wasn't a hackathon, right? Like let's climb them out and come up with ideas. It was a a movement for like equality for women. Yeah. A hundred percent. So we, we actually started not for profit equal playing fields and that it's now off the back of the trip has become a movement and we've now become known for doing world records. So we've done a few more since. And Tell me uh, about that. Equal yeah, playing field well, and these records. 
because we've done the highest altitude soccer match, Prince Ali of Jordan, who's very supportive of women's football, invited us to come play the lowest altitude soccer match in Jordan at the Dead Sea. So, of course, we had to accept, which is pretty <sighs> cool. And then we played the world's biggest game in France, the biggest five-a-side game. Um, and we've got a few more in the pipeline. But it, oh, it's really an opportunity to draw attention to the fact that there is this mission around equality and can you have um, – I mean, not even equal pay is is a bit of a joke, but like at least a pay that you can have a professional career opportunities and then the respect, which is very intangible. But like the fact that I mean, the thing that motivated me was that I was looking at the sports pages and there's more stories about horses than women in the sports pages. And you're like, okay, something's got to change. Yeah. I, uh, I went to a family office conference, which if you've ever been to one, it's not the best conference in my opinion, because you are around these people who have had more money their entire life than they know what to do with. And that has been the case for their families for generations. And like the types of talks happening at these conferences are how to preserve your wealth for seven generations. I'm like seven generations. That's like a thousand years. I don't know if we're going to be here y'all. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like that's yeah. what y'all Will are we talking even about. Have money as a concept. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Like, and so, uh, there was a lot of men at this conference, which is not unusual for investor conference, but there was actually a lot of, uh, professional athletes and it was NFL players and NHL and a bunch of different, you know, um, MLB. Look at me like name dropping all these acronyms. Go me. Love it. <laughs> I'm a scientist. I'm not that cool. Out later, you know. Um, so there was all these men there and I was like, Oh cool. You're from Chicago. This you're from that. And I was like, where are the ladies? And they were like, Oh, the ladies don't make enough to be accredited investors. And I was just like, God, I hate this world. <laughs> like, yeah, I hate this world so much. It's you really, know? there's a long way to go to kind of give the same opportunities for yeah. a girl now as a boy. Where sure. they, and I, we exist, right? and I do want to get into the cleats and we will absolutely, but a few more things about the equal playing field. So we just kind of highlighted the financial differences, right? And you kind of talked about the intangible respect of like what's being reported on or showcased. Are there other things that our listeners and our listeners are predominantly feminists? I, I feel mm-hmm. like it's safe to say, but is there things that they may not recognize if they're not a sports player themselves that they didn't even know like that that's an issue that they face? female athletes. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we listened to a lot of things that all the the different women around us came and told us, and it's things from um, not being able to have the right kit. So often getting given youth boys kit when you're, you know, fully grown adult female, and that's, we can talk about cleats later and why that's also a problem, but things like not being able to use the training pitches that the guys are using because for some reason our like feet are going to smush them up or something. I don't know. Do we have that different feet than men? So you get less equality kind of facilities and that holistic experience around it's like physios, medical advice, things like that. So there was this kind of that side of things. And then when you can move to coaching and refereeing about kind of for women making a career out of it. So you know, we talk, heard from one lady who just their their football, their soccer association just point blank refused to send her on a coaching course. And you're like, you've got someone who's going to go and be a professional coach and then they're not doing it. So we helped her find a place in a different country mm-hmm. because you just think that you've got these incredible women who are fighting against the odds to change things. And the systems that are in place are quite entrenched and, and kind of stopping this movement moving forward. Yeah. 
Well, I've, I have played sports. I know I'm like downplaying like, but I, I, I have, you know, played sports and my impression was that there were women's cleats, you know, like when I would go to sporting goods stores and they would be like, okay, and here's the women's section. Is that like a faux pas? Like they just made them pink and gave them to me? Like, or tell me yeah. like what, what, a, I feel like I see female cleats. So what am I actually looking at? Yeah, I think one of the things I found out is that it's kind of an open secret in the industry that they do what's called shrink it and pink it. Uh So literally take a man's cleat, shrink it and turn it pink and then call it a women's cleat. So what it means is it's really not, it's still not made for you because women's and men's feet are quite fundamentally different. Um, And this is something that surprised me when I kind of set out on this journey. And that once I realized that why the the shoes weren't working for me and what good feels like then you're like oh that's what's been happening that's so weird and you're just kind of going oh the whole industry just literally doesn't care they just are not um developing stuff that's made for women yeah do you think it's and i (laughs) i don't mean to challenge you because i think you're absolutely right but do you think it's uh sometimes it's not a lack of caring but it's this lack of knowledge like so something i experience is I'll, i'll i gave a talk at pfizer you know and i talked about how like if you're are you considering sex as a variable in your scientific experiments and they were like oh my god like no one ever really asked me to ask that before you know and i i want to give these clinicians and scientists the benefit of the doubt that they weren't like i hate women i'm only going to use male cell lines you know like but no one had ever really asked them that and so sometimes i wonder like in this industry could it be the case that like no one's ever asked them or do you think Maybe that's the case 10 years ago, but no more. Like they should know by now. I mean, it's it's a bit of a mix, but I think we have a lot of advisors from the big brands who have specifically chosen to work with us because they know about this issue in the big brands, but they're not doing anything about it. Uh And these people really want to see it happen. Um, And they're not doing anything yet for a variety of reasons. I mean, it costs more to open up new product lines and things like that. And you'd have to do the marketing associated with it. But I think um, if you look at running and the revolution that's happened in running, it really doesn't, that hasn't happened for anything turf sports or kind of, you name the sport actually, and we've had women ask us to make shoes in that sport because it just, it doesn't exist. What's the running revolution? I'm not familiar with that. So for example, if you want to go running, you could go to your local Dick Sporting Goods or whatever, and you'd be able to have a range of running shoes and a Uh choice because and they're in women's sizes but if you're playing um soccer or um loads of sports like nfl rugby turf sports or hockey even things like that lacrosse they're just not made for women so you'd have a men's the kids section where's the women's section and it just it really doesn't exist um to the same extent that running does um so i'd love to see that revolution happen for kind of all 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 shoes yeah i didn't realize that and i guess let's define we do have a lot of international listeners so maybe the (laughs) the translation of cleats and shoes is getting i know it's very stressful for me (laughs) i just want to call them boots but boots uh, (laughs) yeah so what what is a boot or a cleat and as compared to a shoe 
Yeah. So um, a football boot or a soccer cleat is um, <laughs> yeah. uh, a shoe that then you have little studs on the bottom that help you grip into the turf or artificial grass or whatever you're playing on. And there's different options for different um, surfaces. That's another really key thing that as a player, you want to be adjusting your shoes to whatever you're playing on, because then you've got to make make the shoes work for your body. Um, so yeah, one of the things we've done is redesign the outsole, which is the, where the studs are and how they interact with the surfaces. Very cool. When, do you know when cleats were invented or like how long we've been wearing cleats for? Um, I, so I went, our shoes were in the design museum in London cause they had a football, um, exhibition and there's like a very early pair of football boots there, soccer cleats. And I, it looks like they're in like the 1890s or something that people were wearing oh, wow. these huge clumpy, like leather boots with just like things wrapped to the bottom. <laughs> it reminds me of my, um, like I have a godmother in New Hampshire and when it's really icy out, you put cramp clamp on yeah. the bottom of your shoes. That's what it sounds like. hundred <laughs> percent. Uh, yeah, that's it. Um, so how are female and males feet different? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> this is one of the things that really, um, surprised me when I started looking into it and, it really comes down to there's kind of four fundamental differences that affect how your shoes fit. But one of them is women in general tend to have narrower heels all the way up the sizes. Okay. We also tend to have wider toe box. So what that means is the widest part of our toes is in a different place. So generally, if you're wearing men's shoes or unisex shoes, what you'll be doing is getting shoes to fit the heel and your toes will be squished in. So you kind of get black toes or a squishy little toe, or you'll get shoes to fit the toes and then you'll get blisters on your heel because it kind of slops around. Um, So that's something that we we see from players and and when we talk about this. And then there's things like women tend to have higher arches, so you need more support in the midfoot. And then also our hips are set slightly further apart. And so how we pressure load is different. So what that means for turf sports especially is the outsole is really important because you're making different movements to men um so that those are the things that those are kind of really fundamental things that we correct for with the shoes so cool how did you figure that out like are there female podiatrist specialists like or was this research already done and no one was making doing something with it or you did the research i think so a bit of a mixture so one of the things that i did was kind of look at it afresh I'm, I'm not a podiatrist but I, I spoke to lots of clinicians and podiatrists and physios and then also looked at the medical research so I read a bunch of journals like as I said I studied physics super nerd had a nice little deep dive into that and kind of looked at this gap and was like why isn't it happening and subsequently now that we kind of have been going for a little bit we do our own research as well because you kind of reach the end of the point in the journals where they're like, okay, we recommend that women and men should have different soccer cleats. And you're like, okay, so what's the answer? <laughs> yeah. And there's like nothing. And you're like, oh, okay. So that's at the point when we started um, putting, going and doing our own research and really trying to understand like what is best for women because no one's looking at it. Yeah. Do, does anyone know, and is this in your pipeline to see if female feet change over their lifetime and not just in size, but like, does puberty have this big impact on the distribution? Does menopause change it? Pregnancy, like having had a kid versus not having had a kid? 
Yeah, a hundred percent. So we actually um, just started a research project earlier this year with looking at women over 50 and how, and especially so pickleball, which I don't know if you've come across, but it's like the fastest growing sport in America and it's hilarious and fun and <laughs> loads of people are playing it. Okay. And um, so we've started looking into this kind of how feet change as you get older, because we were hearing from our customers that for older players, and there's a lot of women now who are playing well into their kind of 50s, 60s, 70s, that the their feet are getting wider and they're not fitting in, so they need different widths. So we then started looking at the entire life cycle of women. So we've got starting this research project with comparison data as well, because your feet change at puberty, exactly as you say, and change shape. Then again, pre-pregnancy, post-pregnancy, pre-menopause, post-menopause. And so your feet are continually changing throughout your lifetime. So what you think was your size and your width is perhaps not going to be exactly the same as you as you grow older so I've had I've had two kids my feet have actually gone up kind of half a size of size so I used to be the fit model for our shoes and I'm not anymore because I am not a consistent foot model Uh, (laughs) I've changed completely yes um this is so fascinating um is there other consequences to the shoes not fitting right besides blisters or crunched toes? Like, is there any bigger complications here? We should really be like, yeah, investing in this is worth it because look at all these other things that it's like preventing. Yeah. I think this is one of the, my drivers and motivations as well is that you have these kind of chronic pain, which is blisters, black toes, foot pain, miscellaneous, you know, that. And then when you look at kind of semi-pro pro players there's also acute injuries and there's a number of fact I mean one of the things in the women's game that women are more like five times more likely to do their ACLs um than men now there's a there's a lot of conflicting factors and and reasons for this but my hypothesis is that one of the things is if you're not wearing the right footwear then you're kind of increasing the fatigue on your muscles and then you're putting yourself at risk of more injury. So one of the big things we're looking at is can we um, reduce the risk of injury for acute injuries with our shoes as well? Because that's lost playing minutes. for. So when you get to the pro level, that's lost playing minutes. Your recovery time is longer, all of those things. And the same is with the chronic injuries if you can get people playing again quicker or they're not having foot pain after every game or having to strap your feet things like that that's definitely a win um not just for kind of you now but also throughout your lifetime when you want to be able to walk when you're in your 60s yeah i am just thinking about the shin splints that i used to have and you yeah. know uh and now it's like my back pain if i stand for too long <laughs> Right? Like, but your shoes and what you're standing in is so important. Yeah, a hundred percent. And just having, um, having the right footwear is so critical. I, I mean, I'm, I'm such a convert. I was, I'm not from a footwear background and coming on this journey. I now, if I wear a unisex shoe, I get really horribly offended because it hurts so much. And you're like, no, I want better. I want yeah. stuff that's made for me. You know, that's actually a big thing in femtech where it's like we've gotten so used to the world being made for males and like we think, oh, this is like normal life. And then we have something made for us. We're like, this is incredible. Like, what was I doing before? Like, this is the way it's supposed to be. And so I can imagine that 
these these boots, these cleats are could potentially be something like that. Do you find that there's interest from large brands like Nike and Adidas to like do anything with this? Are they kind of watching you or what do you think the like tone is? Yeah, they're, de- they're definitely watching us. Um, and we've had chats of various people that work there. I think what's interesting, they're looking at making kind of like one boot or one cleat once. Um, and I think what we're trying to do is transform the industry so that it becomes standard that you can walk into a store and buy things that are made for you. Yeah. So I actually find the most most innovation is coming from perhaps um, the challenger brands who perhaps don't have the same market share as Nike or Adidas mm-hmm. and, and then having to think about, okay, what, how do we appeal to women? But to, to your earlier point of, um, I think part of it is educating the market. Like as a, as a female, I didn't even know it was wrong until I kind of found out. And then I had the aha moment and then I was like, oh man, I'm not going back. And you see the world completely yeah. differently. And you're like, how many other things are not made for me? That's right. So I think as a customers as consumers the more we can learn about our bodies and what's right for us the more we can then demand from brands and going oi why aren't you doing this like this is dumb and so i think there's a certain amount of activism as well on a, on the part of the consumer to kind of keep pushing and going no this isn't good enough we want it to be made for us well i'll our listeners will certainly go out i know after this episode and uh and start to tell people like hey did you know cleats not made for females um you'd actually just mentioned there's other potentially other equipment too that we're kind of used to so do you have any other examples of sports equipment or exercise equipment or anything that has to do with like physical activity that um is made for males and we didn't realize it and it's potentially causing consequences for us. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the big ones I know, and there's a few female led businesses kind of trying to address this is around, um, anything like body armor, we call it in sports. So anything when you're playing a kind of tackle sport or cricket, for example, and you need pads and, and things like that, there's a lot of things that are just not made for women and and you have and really women are putting themselves at risk of injury because you're wearing something that's perhaps too big or it's not in the right proportion because it's it's not necessarily like I was saying before about just shrink it we're different proportions and that's where the finesse around design comes in and if you're not designing equipment or um particular items of clothing for women that's then when you're going to get real trouble and real in, like risks of injury yeah wow well, this is incredible. I feel like you're going to launch, like, instead of fleet feet, it's cleat feet. <laughs> People could go yeah. and get their feet measured and stuff. That is it's super fascinating. Um, how can uh, our listeners, if they want a cleat made for their feet, how do they get one of your shoes? Yeah, so we're um, both um, online. So idasports.com and we've got a special discount code for your listeners, Femtech 15. So go on there and get 15% off. Um, and we ship all across the U S and, and North America. And then we're also in a lot of Dick sporting goods stores. So check us out, go, go Amazing. try them on. And that's um, a good holiday gift, right? Yeah, for all the definitely. feminists in your life, get them a female specific cleat, tell them the story, give them a little flash drive with this episode on it, you know, like, (laughs) (laughs) I would love that personally. (laughs) Um, and the sizes, are they the same as if like a regular cleat would be? 
Right. Yes. And no. And this is the the confusion that the world is thrusting upon women, you know, the men's shoes and you have to size down for 1.5 for the yep. women. Blah, blah, blah. We're, we're true to size. So, you know, like doing crazy conversions in your head, like what size am I? We're making them for women in your size. So we've got a really cool size guide online. So you can check that out as well. Awesome. Um, but yeah, just made made for women, not through the whole circumvented process of making it for men and then shrinking it and doing it. Yeah, yeah I, I actually got some new like workout uh, shoes a few months ago. I was like, you know what? I deserve a, a, like a high quality, expensive pair of workout shoes because I've really been committed myself the last year at the gym. And I experienced the guy at Dick Sporting Goods being like, oh, well, if you like that design, like we could just check in the men's size or we could do this. And it was like, yeah, like, or look in the kids section. And it really was like, oh, so it does it. So I thought at some point the shoes were designated by like um, color schemes, you know, like, well, women (laughs) like the whites and the pinks and the men like, you know, the blacks and the reds. But now I'm understanding like there's arches and heels and toe (laughs) science that should be, uh, incorporated a hundred percent so the best shoes are the ones that where people have really taken into account all these differences and then they make them in cool colors yeah yeah (laughs) so cool well we have two last questions our listeners really love the first one is uh we have a lot of aspiring femtech founders that listen a lot of university graduate students so what's an area in women's health and wellness and it could be in fitness or sport that you think still needs innovating Mm, such a good question I think there's I mean there's so much around the menstrual cycle that we don't know and if you take I mean even just feet for example um our feet change by millimeters throughout the month so obviously at the moment we, we're unable to design for that and and think about things but there's like it has an impact on your feet it has an impact on your training it has an impact on kind of so many other aspects of your life and people don't are only just beginning to understand it and beginning to then have a look at um, almost the power that you can have with it as well. Mm -hmm. Like you can increase your training load and things like that at different points. So the more people can understand about that, I think the more it's really going to benefit the wider populations. Um, There's definitely a gap to, to look at um, products and services that um, help just the regular, like a lot of athletes have it, but helping regular people just, have a better experience throughout the whole of their kind of menstrual cycle. Yeah, absolutely. And then what is you, what do you think the femtech industry or women's health and wellness innovation needs the most right now in order to be successful? Money. Money. Tell me more (laughs) about that. Always. I think one of the hardest things for female founders is just raising money and having the money to go out and experiment and R and D and understand because there's just no data at all on on kind of a lot of these places. So the more you can have um, kind of angel investors investing at that really early stage to help women who've got a great idea, then just get that pilot and get that first customer. I think it makes such a big difference to then going, hey, look, we've got a product or a service and it it works with the market. And then great, we can take that further um, and get more investment. Yeah. I I can sympathize with angels that they don't want to invest in research, right? Cuz it's so risky cuz you're fine that it's an experiment and it shouldn't be biased by investors, right? Like the answer sh- 
could be that there's no difference. There's no business and everyone as a researcher should be fine with that. Right. And so I can understand those conflicts of interest. And for me, I think that it's the governments that really need to step up and provide these grants to research this stuff, you know, um, because that's, that's what you're doing. You're studying human anatomy, human anatomy, you know, like that's a college class. People get research things for that grants. And so that's what we should be getting funded. I agree. I think maybe we'll go for the blended model then, because I do yeah. think investors buy into too much hype in certain industries and oh, yeah. they should spend a bit more of that hype money on women 100%. and governments can underwrite it to reduce the risk. I I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you because we're funding things for Mars and it's like, okay, well, who knows when that's going to happen? <laughs> Women are running around today tearing their ACLs, you know? Um, Laura, this has been such a great interview. I'm so excited to uh, get your cleats out into the world, tell my friends about it and uh, inform people about feet. Blow their minds. (laughs) And and I'm sorry to everyone that I've made your shopping experience more terrible because I've had this as well. I go out, I buy unisex shoes and then it's just, you're like, oh man, this doesn't work. So apologies in advance, but we do have solutions for you. Yes. Thank you so much, Laura. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my interview with Laura Youngson. Be sure to get your cleats at idasports.com and use promo code FEMTECH15 for 15% off your order. Be sure to subscribe to the FEMTECH Focus newsletter, join our virtual community, and follow us on social media. Share the show with a friend and continue to advocate for women's health innovation because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.